You're listening to Grow Yourself Up, a weekly mental health podcast hosted by Kath Cunahan. I'm a psychotherapist, writer, and speaker working in private practice in London. I specialize in the impact of our own childhood on our parenting and how we can heal and integrate our childhood trauma, wounding, and stress so that we can inhabit our full adult selves. Join us each week as we talk about all things growing ourselves up, how we can tend to ourselves in our parenting, generational healing, and overcoming the impacts of childhood trauma. Together, we will become more self-compassionate, connected, authentic, resilient, and heart-centered, so we can live our own full and beautiful lives. As a listener of this podcast, you're welcome to come over and join the Facebook group. So search on Facebook for Grow Yourself Up. It's a private Facebook group of all the listeners. And did you know there are journal prompts that go along with every episode? So sign up for the journal prompts on kathcunahan.com or go to my Instagram, kathcunahan, and sign up at the link in the bio there. And you will get my newsletter, Nurture, Heal, Grow, which contains all the journal prompts. Looking forward to seeing you in the Facebook group. The podcast is produced each week by the wonderful Audio Cafe. Thanks for being here. Hello again. It's episode nine of Grow Yourself Up. We spoke last week about our windows of tolerance and co-regulation. There was a bit of psychoeducation. And I want to continue this week with some of the practicalities around this and more about how regulation actually happens and how it happened for many of us or didn't happen for many of us actually in childhood. And then I'm going to talk about a little bit about how we can better learn to regulate ourselves. So in the parent-child relationship, if you think about a baby and then a toddler, a toddler and young children, it's not just limited to toddlers, have big explosive feelings. They are coming into contact with their emotions for the first time. You know how your toddler reacts when you've cut their sandwich the wrong way or you've given them the wrong cup. It feels like a complete disaster. And so they have perhaps a huge meltdown or they throw the cup if it's the wrong cup or they lie down on the floor and kick. And it all feels really catastrophic when something like that goes on. And if you yourself enter parenthood with a narrow window of tolerance, i.e. you have not received a lot of co-regulation around your own emotions as a child, that kind of behavior can be a great shock. You can think like, what is going on here? What have I done? Am I a bad mother? Why is my child behaving like that? When in fact, that type of behavior, big feelings are to be expected from that age group. So it's developmentally appropriate to be doing that when you're a toddler. And what we want to be doing is bringing our calm, bringing our well-regulated self to that situation. I often speak about this as being with the childrenness of our children in a way where we can be present, where we can narrate what's going on where we can go, wow, you're having such a tricky time. You really don't like these triangle sandwiches. You really wanted them to be cut in a square. Wow, this is really upsetting. So we are being with them in their feelings, meeting them where they are, narrating what's going on, naming those feelings, and then being present for them to downregulate. Now, not all children like having their feelings narrated to them. For some, it can feel too invasive. 
I suggest you have a look at some of the work of Janet Lansbury for more around this. And I can put some other recommendations actually in the show notes. But the key thing is that we want to be with our children in their times of stress. We don't want to be sending them away. We don't want to be screaming at them. We don't want to be trying to shut them down. We want to be present for them. Often we need to put boundaries around behavior. So I'm not going to let you hit or I'm not going to let you throw your cup. So that would look like acknowledging the feelings. So narrating what's going on. Janet Lansbury calls it sports casting. I think it's Janet Lansbury who calls it that. So you're kind of doing a commentary of what's going on. And then if they start to hit or do behavior that you don't allow in your house, throwing or smashing things, then you might say something like, I need to keep you safe. And sometimes it actually requires you to hold their arms down or to put them on a sofa and to keep them on the sofa until they stop throwing. But what you're showing there is I'm with you in your pain. I'm keeping you safe. I'm putting some boundaries around behavior because I can't let you hit your sister. I can't let you hit me. So you could say, I'm not going to let you hurt me. Saying, please don't hurt me is not kind of giving the right, the, the message you want to be giving because you, you're actually saying, I'm not going to let this happen. I am behaving here as um, a calm, regulated adult who is going to stop that behavior. And you can have all your feelings about how sad you felt about what happened. And then once um, the children has have calmed, you can discuss in age-appropriate language, oh, that was really hard for you. You found it really difficult that I cut the sandwich the wrong way. You can discuss, okay, next time we can talk about how you'd like the sandwich. And you can also reiterate the point then that um, you can't throw. You can only do that when the child has found their calm. Something that I think is really useful to keep in mind for yourself as a parent um, when you're dealing with the emotions of your child is something from Bruce Perry, who's a wonderful, wonderful um, neuroscientist and psychiatrist. He talks about the three R's. Now, the three R's are regulate, relate, and reason. Regulate is to help the child regulate. Now, we cannot help the child regulate if we have ourselves flown off the handle. So we want to regulate to help them uh, modulate their, their stress response. So their fight, flight, whatever they've gone into. And so we be a calm presence for them. We can soothe them with their body. Perhaps they want physical contact. Many children don't, but we are there for them. We are calm. We use soothing language. Um, then relate. So the relating part is what I talked earlier about, um, really affirming their feelings. You know, something about, yeah, I really, I really see how frustrating that was for you. I'm really here for you. I see that that was so hard. And you, you know, using your tone of voice and really empathizing with them, even if it feels ridiculous to you, because a lot of the challenges that your child faces, you may dismiss outright as, as not making any sense. And the thing is, they don't need to make sense to you. You just need to validate it for the child so they feel seen because it's a great disappointment in their world if they didn't get the right cup or they didn't get the right plate or the sandwich is wrong. And so you really kind of just want to relate to that and help them feel understood. When those two are done, then you can go into a, a reasoning place because that's much more likely, you know, they can, they can cl think clearly then now. Their frontal cortex is way, way less developed than ours. But at that point, we can start to help them with reflecting. Oh, yes, you were really disappointed. But learning about, okay, the next time you're disappointed, 
um, let's do something like this. Or, okay, we'll talk more about um, how we're going to manage these situations. Or what is your favorite cup? Let's talk about that. So that they can learn, that they can ask, or they can express something. Because you're really trying to model how to deal with disappointment, how to deal with conflict, how to deal with not getting your own way, how to learn to understand your own agency that so that you can say, oh, mom, I really don't like it when you cut my sandwiches like that. Can you cut the next ones like this? Or, oh, mom, I really don't like that blue cup. Can Can we have the yellow one instead? And so that they can articulate their needs and then they can remember that the next time they don't need to have this massive meltdown. Now, that never, ever, ever happens after one go. This is thousands and thousands and thousands of iterations, thousands, um, perhaps even millions, which is why parenting is so exhausting because of this huge emotional labor role that you are playing. Not role, but this, this sort of huge job of emotionally laboring for your children to help them be in touch with their feelings and to understand what, what those mean. And now I really want you to hear that it's probably likely that depending on your age, um, you may not have had this done for you because m- much parenting advice has not focused on this. I'm 46. So I was born in the mid 70 or 1976. And I certainly did not have this done for me. My parents were uh, both struggling in their own ways, both had their own trauma. My mum was really dysregulated, rushed us around the whole of our childhood, always trying to fit in one more chore. So I tend to be, um, to overwork, to be overproductive, to want to rush, to squeeze as many things as I can. My dad, uh, he was a alcoholic. And so the way he dealt with his feelings was by drinking. Also, he, he was a doctor. So he probably did a lot of overworking. And so. I come from a place of not being well regulated. They were not there for the feelings of, of my siblings and I. And so many of you will have had similar experiences to this where your parents were not connected to their own feelings. So let me back up a little bit actually and say that all of what I've just been talking about, about meltdowns, the three R's, so regulate, relate, reason, which by the way, you can also apply to yourself, are the way we would ideally like to be present for our children. All of that is predicated on a huge, huge assumption, which is that you are well-regulated enough to do that. Now, without that wide window of tolerance, you are probably most likely not well-regulated enough to do that, at least initially. So my hope is that here in this community of listeners, we can increase our awareness about why it feels so hard to do this, we can increase our self-compassion when we struggle to start to do this. And also when we um, feel the grief of that we didn't have this done and the grief for how we may have been in the early days of parenting. And we can start to learn to do this for both ourselves and our children, because this is how we change things. This is how we change patterns in our families. So that's how regulation happens over thousands and thousands of of iterations. What may have happened in your childhood is things like when you had big feelings, you may have been smacked, you may have been sent away, but it's still quite common in some, in some circles for children to be sent to their room when they're having big feelings. And sometimes that kind of might be the only way to deal with things as well, to be honest. You may have been screamed at for your meltdowns. You may have been shamed. You may have had things said like, 
big girls don't cry, big boys don't cry, good girls don't cry, good girls don't do that sort of thing, um, all of that sort of language. So often what happens, what has happened, and what still does continue to happen, is that we are shamed or kind of abandoned in the moment for developmentally appropriate behavior. I know that I was certainly smacked. Smacking was, I mean, corporal punishment has only recently stopped in schools in many countries. Smacking is still um, seen as okay. I personally think that a child should be able to grow up in a household that's free of violence, so I would not advocate for smacking in any way. But these are, these were common parenting practices. So smacking with with the hand, with a ruler, with a belt, being sent away to your room, or being punished for displays of emotion. So if you had any of this happen to you in your childhood, then it's going to be doubly hard to kind of hold emotions for your children because it was never done for you, which is why we have to learn often. We're growing up alongside our children. We have to learn how to do what we're hoping to do for our children for ourselves without doing the equivalent of smacking, sending away, being screamed at or shaming. Because if that was done for us, we may label ourselves as ridiculous or weak or you can't have these feelings or anything like that. And that is why being in therapy is is often such an important part of our journey because we get to show all of ourselves then and to be accepted. We learn to develop self-compassion. We learn to love those parts of ourselves who have all these feelings, who hold all the implicit memories around how we were treated when we had big feelings. So please really, what I really want to get across in this episode is that the ways in which your parents were well-regulated or not well-regulated will really have had a huge impact on you. Even if it feels like you had a really happy childhood, if your mother was largely shut down and disconnected from her own feelings and shamed you each time you had big feelings or was never there for you in your own sadness or ignored your feelings or sent you to your room or said, there, there, that's okay, you'll be fine. Or just generally gave you the message that um, feelings were not okay. You will then tend to do that to yourself. You may not have been smacked, but you may just have been shut down emotionally. And so you may feel like you need to do that for your children because it feels so threatening in the moment to be in the presence of large displays of emotion. So if that's you, you know, I really want you to hear that that makes sense. Of course, you would find it really difficult if your toddler is having huge displays of emotion, if your emotions are really, you really keep a tight lid on them. So some of this is starting to allow your own emotional expression so that you can be with the emotional expression of your children. And this is where we really have so much possibility to shift cycles. We can become more well-regulated ourselves in parenthood. In fact, I would suggest that is the greatest key to our own freedom, where we can be more well-regulated in all situations, where we don't have to panic or get really anxious or fly off the handle, where we know we can tolerate this, we can manage, we can still be able to think when things are going on. Now, of course, this doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes you will fly off the handle. Sometimes things feel so overwhelming, you will go into a shutdown place. And that's also okay, because remember, we're going for good enough. 
go back to episodes one to four for more on good enough and listen to episode seven as well for um, more stuff on, on good enough parenting. Okay. In terms of actually becoming better regulated, how do we do that? I split this into two sections. There's longer term practices that we need to build into our life in a layered way. We need to build ourselves a web of support. We can't heal from childhood trauma by ourselves, I do not believe. We need relationships to hold us, to help us, to reflect back to us our lovability. And then secondly, so we have these long-term practices we build, and then secondly, we need tools in the moment to help us. So I'm going to give you some of those short-term tools, and I'm also going to talk about some longer-term. So first off, I think psychotherapy, therapy with um someone who you have a good relationship with or you feel you can develop a good relationship with is really important. A weekly therapy session is holding. You get to work through whatever your own particular set of issues are. You grow in relationship with that person and that relationship is healing and regulating. One of the key things about therapy is that it's it's regulating. Your therapist will act as your regulating other in periods when you can't. They will help you find your calm. There's a reason that we all feel better after we've been to therapy. I also think um, body work is incredibly useful. Body massage, if you like massage, can be really helpful. Uh, craniosacral therapy. I personally have really, really found biodynamic craniosacral therapy incredibly healing and helpful, particularly for early trauma stuff, because we can't tell a story about everything. So for the stuff that is lodged in our body, it's very helpful to try and shift some of the trauma that we hold in our bodies. Cranial osteopathy can be very helpful. Martial arts can be very helpful. Regular exercise practice, yoga. It's really about finding something or a group of things, frankly, that are supportive to you. Now, this can feel very overwhelming initially. I'm not saying you go and sign up for like 800 different things. Pick one thing. It might be that you can manage to do 10 minutes of yoga from an online app um, or that you can get to a yoga class once a week. Pick something where you can start to invest in yourself so that you can become better regulated in time. You really are worth it. And that is going to be your regulation. I often say that our working on our own mental health and working on our own um, regulation is one of the greatest gifts we can give our children. And secondly, I want to talk a bit about in the moment practices. So when we are, you know, with our children, we're perhaps alone with our children and we really feel like we're going to burst out of our own bodies because we're so worked up. Sometimes we do burst out of our own bodies and then we maybe realize and can have a chance to bring ourselves back. And sometimes with practice, we can actually even stop that kind of either shutdown or the rage. So things that I find helpful in the moment are to go and breathe away from my children. Sometimes I will say I need to take a pause and I will go and breathe. It helps me to look in my own eyes in the mirror and to put my hand on my chest. So self-touch gives us a sign of safety. So touch on your body where you feel stressed, like maybe your stomach, maybe your chest. Looking into your own eyes is also very powerful. I find that helps my frontal cortex come back online. I can sometimes remember what my parenting values are, that I actually want to be present for my children. 
scent is very powerful. So our olfactory glands, which are at the top of our nose, go straight into our brain. So if you have a nice scent that you find calming and soothing, that can be really helpful to kind of bring you back online. I personally love rose geranium as a scent. So um, look at aromatherapy oils. Lavender can be calming. I don't like the scent of lavender that much. Some people do like that, but um, citrus oils can be invigorating. So you can get a, a little bottle of an essential oil and have it somewhere. You know, if if your child often has meltdowns in the kitchen and you find that hard, then put a lavender, um, you know, you can also get lavender rollers or put like a little bottle of something that you like to have a little smell of to help you to come back online to kind of calm. You can also rub your favorite hand cream on, wash any sort of cold water. Maybe some of you know something about ice baths, but generally cold water is helpful for um, calming us essentially. So splashing cold water on your face, washing your hands really mindfully with very cold water, even putting a cold face cloth on your face or on your temples or on the back of your neck can be helpful. And then if you wash your hands in cold water and you um, really mindfully rub hand cream on, that act of calming and soothing yourself can help you come back into a place of being better regulated. Yeah, send me, if you've got any good ideas that have really helped you, send me them um, and I can share them. Breathing exercises are also often very helpful. A lion breath can be really helpful. There's many, many different tools that you can use. And it's actually about building your own toolkit, your own web of support on the day for how you might help um, yourself. I find stretching really helpful. So just lifting my arms above my head, I find helpful. Twisting poses, I find. So if I twist my body and um, sometimes if I sit down on the floor and do some twisting yoga poses, that can be really helpful. That flushes oxygen to your brain and I can kind of come back online a bit. This takes time. None of this is quick work. You really have to get support around this. I would suggest if you're really struggling with your regulation, if you're having a lot of rage, that you really need to build in some one-to-one support to help you become better regulated, to notice where your trigger points are, and to notice how you can mediate around those to support yourself. This is really um, deep healing work. Being in therapy will really assist with this. Please don't beat up on yourself about this. Please kind of be honest about your struggles and prioritize getting the help that you might need. It's a great gift to yourself and your own mental health is a really important part of your life for you and for your children. But you are really, really important just for, you know, you have inherent worth. It's not only about helping your children. So I'm sending this out with a lot of um, love and solidarity. I have really struggled with regulation in parenthood and in my mothering. And I deeply want this information to be widely available to parents so that we can have a revolution around um, around how we live. Because when we are better regulated, we can be better connected to our own values, better connected to love, better able to love our children and better able to love ourselves. Um, as always, there will be journal questions for this episode. And um, please go gently, go kindly into your days. Take care. You've been listening to Grow Yourself Up, hosted by Kath Cunahan. We'll be back next week with a new episode supporting you to better understand and tend to yourself. 
for more heart-centered, connected, authentic, and resilient living.